Nicole Hemsoth, co-founder and co-editor, and your host for today's episode, which will focus on the idea of in-storage processing for machine learning algorithms. Here to talk about this today is Roman Kaplan, a researcher at the Vitterbi Faculty of Electrical Engineering in Israel. His research interests include parallel computing architectures and processing and memory accelerators for machine learning, bioinformatics, and computational biology. Hi, Roman. Thanks for joining today. Hi, Nicole. Great to be on the podcast. So to begin with, let's set the stage with a definition. Um, are you focusing on in-storage pro- in, in processing or in-memory processing, and what's the difference? Okay, so our device is a storage device. It's, it's non-volatile, and we're focusing on in-storage processing since the processing is done in data rather than near data. We don't have an external unit or an ALU to do the processing. Basically, the processing is performed inside the memory, or the storage array. Okay, uh, and so talk to me about what some of the challenges and opportunities are with doing things this way. Okay, so in uh, for, for example, when you use a storage device f- that performs the processing, you don't have to move data between devices, meaning between the memory hierarchies. So when you have large, large storage and you want to process the data inside it, if you don't have a processing storage device, you need to move the data maybe to a GPU or the CPU and these memory transfers cost a lot in energy and in time when the the processing and the data are stored in one location one place the benefits are tremendous in both in energy and in time in the performance you can achieve for and in addition in our device we have very fine-grained parallelism, very large parallelism, which can be achieved because of the in-data processing. This allows us to achieve even higher performance gains than simply uh, reducing the uh, memory transfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me about some of the results that you've seen. I know that you and your team have worked on something called uh, PRINS, which is P-R-I-N-S, and we'll link to the paper in the description. Um, give us an overview of what that research is, the application and algorithms that you focus on, and, and what kind of overall results that you saw. Sure. So first, PRINCE is, uh, stands for Processing in Storage. Basically, PRINCE is a non-von Neumann architecture that uses associative processing rather than logic-based processing. So this associative processing allows the PRINCE much higher parallelism than an ALU-based one. How so? What's associative processing and how it works? Basically, the most basic unit of prints is a content addressable memory, CAM. Shortly, CAM allows to compare every pattern with the contents of the memory. In uh, in the case of prints, the memory array is narrow and long, 256-bit rows and millions of rows, and I'll explain soon why millions of rows and not less. Basically, if you can comp- you can compare every pattern you would like, and the compared or the equal rows that contain a pattern are then tagged and then marked inside the memory. So you can search in parallel in the entire memory. If you can search in parallel and then perform operations on these rows that contain the pattern, you can also write anything you like for these rows. And if you have compare and write, you can go over a through table of any arithmetic expression and just do compare for the input and write the output. And that's associative processing. 
in let's say for example in a full adder there are eight entries eight eight different inputs and each has its own output combination so you search in the entire array in parallel for every input and then write the output so it's inefficient in the number of cycles but the gain is in the pro in the parallelism or even let's say for example if we have, if we have a 32 bit integer it requires 32 full adders and uh, f every full adder requires 16 cycles. So overall, we have 512 cycles only for a 32-bit integer addition. But if we have millions of rows in parallel, then the gain is in the parallelism and not in the number of cycles. So, so what's what's new in this cam? The cams have uh, been existing for uh, several decades now. Mm -hmm. uh, right. We mm -hmm. use memristors. Memristors are resistive elements. They can be manufactured in the metal layers, between the metal layers. Sorry and meaning that they don't take silicon area. And so we designed a bit cell for CAM that instead of 10 transistors, which is the way you do it in CMOS, only with two transistors and two memristors. Since memristors don't take silicon area, the silicon area is only two transistors. So we can do much denser memory arrays. And the, since the memristors are non-volatile, it can serve as storage. And the and how d uh, how does the in data cam comes? The in data is achieved with the associative processing. Since you on do only compare and write, you don't need to get the data out, process it, and get it back in to the device. Everything stays inside the memory array. Uh, in our case, for architecture, we understand that for several algorithms, you need to do a bit extra. Maybe to uh, co uh, let's say a reduction operation, you need to to reduce the results of several rows. And then you have to transfer some data between the memory rows. So we implemented very, very small logic next to each data row that allows bit serially transfer data between run one row and another. That allows us to sum and reduce, uh, 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 re reduce results. Mm -hmm. Uh, so what are some of the challenges of using memristors, especially in a case like this? Um, so like you, like you mentioned, some of what you're working on here is, is not new, but the, the memristors represent a pretty big opportunity from, from everything that we've seen, um, as well as some, some challenges in terms of actually implementing them. Yeah, memristors are, are a big challenge, and today they are m mostly in research. Uh, I know only a few products that actually use them. The biggest challenges are, are first, uh, the uh, the endurance, which can be only tens of thousands of writes, and we hope that it will be more. Uh, other challenges are, are energy. If we do multiple writes, so many writes from memristor, since memristors, writing to a memristor requires to change its physical characteristics, you have to apply high voltage, then which causes it to change, to physically change, and change, I which causes it also to change its resistance. This change of resistance costs much more in energy uh, than the compare operation. So we, we can reach almost a picojoule for only for a memory store write. We've seen works that find it less, let's say 100 femtojoules. If we multiply it by millions and do it in, uh, let's say, 1 gigahertz, you can reach uh, hundreds of watts in uh, a, a small 200 or 300 millimeter die. So the biggest changes are endurance uh, and memory, uh, sorry, and energy. Uh, other changes, of course, are manufacturing and the exact materials to use 
to achieve the desired characteristics of the device. Great. Um, so one, one of the things that caught our eyes, certainly when we came across your research on PRINs and processing and storage, was that you compared a number of platforms, and you did this all with um, some different implementations of k-means and k-nearest neighbors algorithms. So you compared CPU, GPU, FPGA, and most interestingly, the Automata processor, which we, we've written about before at the next platform. Uh, readers can, can find links to what we've written down in the description. But uh, talk to me about these comparisons and what they reveal. And also, uh, talk to me about uh, benchmarking the Automata processor. How did you do that? And, and what, what did you learn from that? OK, so first, we, we search for algorithms that are data intensive, that require large amounts of data, and also have high parallelism. So they, you can say the classic machine learning of k-means and k-nearest neighbors are very good candidates for it. We implemented these algorithms in prints, meaning we have had to map each data set to prints to columns and rows and, and know how many rows and count the energy that required and how many chips or integrated circuits are required to implement everything. And then to compare the results, we, we of course used different works with different results uh, results from published works, and we had to understand them very well to see that we compare apples to apples. We actually compare the exact data setting, the exact same algorithm with ours. Uh, since we ha we search for large amounts of data and hyperlism, we search for the biggest works we could find. For example, one of the biggest work of k-means we found uses 10 GPUs, which with a data set of 100, 150 gigabytes. And the, the 10 GPUs have the, they are inefficient since they require a lot of data movements. And you can see by the results, we, we found that Prince has the potential to receive, to get quite a lot of speed up compared to it because of the inefficiency of the GPUs of the data transfers. For the K-nearest neighbors, we also search for works that had the biggest data sets we can find. And one of them was, uh, was the Automata processor. Uh, this published work from IPDPS, it's, uh, it's a conference, a computer architecture conference uh, from 2017. And they, they used the Automata processor and they used uh, an improved implementation of the Automata processor, meaning they suggested an implementation of the Automata processor and they executed on, on several data sets. And these data sets include I image classification, which took an image, reduced it or extracted several features from it, mapped them to the automata processor, and then executed the k-nearest neighbors, the algorithms on this automata processor. So did it, did, uh, did it answer your question? Uh, that, that answered my question. Um, so let's talk more specifically about some of your results. And, and specifically, I'm curious, is all of the effort that went into mapping each of the data sets to PRINs and all of this, even for the speed ups that you got, is it worth the effort? I mean, how much time are we talking about to be able to do this? And what could have changed? And what might you be looking forward to to having different as you as you iterate on this research here? So first, the, the let's say the effort currently, as, uh, as the, it is the current state of PRINs, is you have to map it uh, manually. You have to know every data item in which columns will it be located and uh, the idea is to have a controller that decides 
that receives the exact columns to operate on and then executes the uh, associative processing and then writes the results again in a different column which is predecided. So it's very, very low level encoding and, and programming. And we hope that if the, f if the research continues and uh, expands, we might find better, of course, automatic ways to map data set to prints or to processing and storage architecture and to to get it to remove the the human uh, the human part of this uh, of this coding and uh, other challenges are mean you have to let's say to think or rethink implementations of algorithms in terms of the of the prince paradigm since you have high very high parallelism or large amount of parallelism inside the device you have to know how to exploit the algorithm in order to uh, to get the most efficiency or get get the most the highest performance possible from this device. I mean, you you can take out of the box an algorithm, or let's say even f implement it for a GPU and just implement it on prints. You know, you have to map it and maybe remap everything. So th there is quite a lot of effort here. This is in the algorithmic side. In the physical side. Uh, since we with Mimristos, there there are unknowns here, and uh, we even which Mimristo materials to use. What's the endurance? What's the exact uh, power efficiency you can uh, achieve? And there there are challenges in in every level, and uh, whether it's worth it, we've s we've seen that in very big data sets, uh, it is worth it. It is. You can reach very high high speedups because of the inefficiency of m data transfers between several units. If you can map the data set on a single chip or in a single die, let's say w if one GPU is sufficient for your data set, then maybe prints is not the answer. But when you need multiple GPUs, then you can think of using prints since the large parallelism and the large virtual array that can be formed with multiple chips it can give you the the speed up you're looking for mm -hmm. um, what do you think the computer architecture community maybe is overlooking when it comes to the opportunities around memristors and approaches like this uh, we hear about these things in scattered research papers and things like yours and obviously some of the the very few commercial efforts out there around memristors but what's sort of the larger overarching uh, message about the future of memristors that you see Okay, so we see several directions directions for Memristos. Basically, first of all, Memristos won't replace CMOS as far as we think. As and and this is the the thought of many several groups. Several groups think that way. But they will they can augment or improve the existing architectures. So the the challenges of Memristos. So how can be how can they be used um, in several ways? Let's say we we we've seen several works on that suggest using memristors uh, for as logic elements, meaning to encode to put place several memristors in a crossbar array, change their resistance or encode them. We'll call it encode them in a in a certain way, and then you can uh, implement any logic uh, any logic function with this crossbar array, and it's reconfigurable. You can reconfigure it. So this is one direction. Other directions are adding memristos in CMOS similar to ours, 
and replacing large CMOS blocks with smaller CMOS blocks and server memory stores that can allow the, the reprogrammability and lower silicon area. So these are the, the main directions we see and we know that the largest, or, or largest challenges here are to get the exact characteristics of the memory stores and uh, to know the, the, let's say, the parameters of uh, the exact resistance, endurance, energy required, and uh, even process variations if you want to take into account corner cases and, and to, to get the, uh, more accurate simulations. Roman Kaplan, once again, thank you for being with us today to talk about memristors and different ways to accelerate machine learning algorithms that are outside of the standard range of CMOS. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Nicole. It was, it was an honor. It was great to be here. Thank you. Thanks again, and thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.